So what kind of a cook are you? Are you really? Like, you know, hopefully you enjoyed some great food over the Thanksgiving holiday, and there's different kinds of cooks, right? Some cooks are engineers, and others are artists. Uh, you know, engineers, they follow directions meticulously and measure everything. Artists, they take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and, and you never know exactly what you're going to get. And then there's some cooks that are, maybe this is you, they're more reheaters. You know, they, they take what somebody else made, and, and maybe they can throw it in the oven or the microwave and then heat it back up. Last Thanksgiving, there was a, a cook, a lady named Sharon Weiss, who had a bumpy Thanksgiving. Maybe you even remember seeing this on Facebook, but Sharon planned and prepared Thanksgiving dessert pumpkin pie. Marie Callender had made that pie for her, and you know she picked it up in the frozen section and popped it in the oven. And then when it came out of the oven, it looked like that. And Sharon took a picture of that pie and posted it on Facebook and not willing to take responsibility for that disaster. She said, thanks, Marie Callender, for ruining Thanksgiving dessert. And, and then Sharon had no idea what was about to happen and about how her life was going to change because then other people, they picked up Sharon's post and her image and they began sharing it and they began roasting Sharon Weiss and her Thanksgiving pie. I want you to see some of my favorite posts uh, this first one shows a, a new level of doneness for meat. Like if you're trying to make sure <laughs> everything's cooked very well, it's, a, you, it's dead. Like if Sherrod gets a hold of it. This next one is for scientific minds. It's the life cycle of a star. And somewhere right before it burns out, it hits Sharon heat intensity. And if, if you're looking for somebody to blame for all of your mistakes, you know, you wrecked your bike... Thanks, Marie Callender. <laughs> oh, poor Sharon. Facebook groups popped up that were entirely devoted to these things. And tens of thousands of people roasted poor Sharon and, and her pumpkin pie. Sometimes, you know, whether you're an engineer or an artist or a reheater like Sharon, things just don't go quite right when you're cooking. It doesn't quite turn out the way that you expect. And you know, trying to cultivate and cook up gratitude and a grateful life, it can really work kind of the same way. You know, gratitude, we, we think of it as a feeling and as an emotion. And, and when that's spontaneous and, and we're just full of great gratefulness and thankfulness, that's a wonderful experience. And maybe some of you, you just wake up every morning or most mornings and you're just brimming full of gratitude that the sun is going to rise again. And you go through your day just full of feelings of gratitude to everybody around you. And if that's you, you can just check out for the next 30 minutes. You know, you'd check your fantasy football team or the Sharon Weiss Facebook pages because you're not going to get much help, I think, from our talk today. For most of us, we might need to put some intention behind gratitude, and that makes it difficult. I want you to take a look at the way Henry Nowen, a faithful Jesus follower, reflected back on gratitude in, in his own life and in his experience he wrote about this and he said, gratitude as a discipline involved a conscious choice 
I can choose to be grateful even when my emotions and feelings are steep and hurt and resentful. It's amazing how many occasions present themselves in which I can choose gratitude instead of a complaint. I can choose to be grateful when I'm criticized, even when my heart responds in bitterness. I can choose to listen to the voices that forgive and to look at the faces that smile, even while I still hear words of revenge and see grimaces of hatred. It's quite a lot to think about. Gratitude is something that psychologists have been studying now for more than 20 years. In fact, there's several groups of psychologists, and this is the main thing that they're still trying to figure out. And over time, they've conducted different studies. And you might be surprised that, that they've found a correlation between practicing gratitude and all kinds of healthy benefits in life. People who practice gratitude, they tend to exercise more. And it, isn't that wild? Like, who would have thought? They tend to experience less depression, and they even sleep better at night. Children and students who are trained to practice gratitude and engaged in those different gratitude activities, they tend to have better grades than other students. They set higher goals for themselves, and they feel more satisfied with their friends, their family, and their school. So you might want to talk to your teenagers about that. Gratitude is a powerful activity. Robert Emmons, he's one of those psychologists uh, at the University of California, and he's been a thought leader in the area of gratitude. He conducted, he's conducted quite a few studies. In one of those studies, he had two groups of people, lots of people. One group of people, they were given an assignment at the end of every day to identify five things that made them grateful. They would record that, write it in a journal. The other group, they wrote down five things that annoyed them. Their job was easier. At the, at the end of 10 weeks, he then did another survey of both of those groups of people. The people who practiced gratitude in that 10 weeks, they got sick less often, had fewer health problems. They exercised more regularly and they felt better in general about life than the annoyed group who were remembering all the different things that annoyed them. Gratitude is a powerful practice. And, and what if it's more than just a feeling and an emotion? What if Henry Nouwen is right and we are able to choose gratitude intentionally and to move in that direction? Now, I don't know what brought you here. Maybe you're here with your family. Uh, maybe you're visiting over Thanksgiving weekend and they, they've dragged you in here to church and you're watching the clock. Or, or maybe you're even watching at home and someone uh, has turned on this worship service and maybe it's a little bit passive-aggressively too loud and, and you're forced to listen in. I, I don't know. But if you've been on the fence about whether Christianity and the Bible and all this Jesus stuff is true or if it's for you, then this morning maybe you think about some of these principles that we're going to talk about from the scriptures and try them out in your life and see if they make a difference. 
See if they have any practical result. It's just kind of a test. And if you're here and you are a Jesus follower, gratitude is an essential part of engaging with God every day. It's really part of what's at the core and center of our Christian life and spiritual practices. So I know that you'll hear something that maybe you can try out and put into practice this week. This week, we're drawing a few principles from Psalm 40, the 40th Psalm. This is the songbook, the prayer songbook, right in the middle of the scriptures. And if you have a Bible with you, you're at home and you can pick one up or you can open up an app, I'd encourage you to find your way to Psalm 40 because you might want to reference some of these verses while we talk together. And we're going to pull out three actions that we can take to help cultivate and develop a grateful life. And live a life of gratitude. So Psalm chapter 40, we're going to read just the first four verses together. And you can also follow along on the screens as I read from the New Living Translation. The psalmist here is David, King David of Israel. And he wrote, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit of despair. Out of the mud and the mire, he set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He's given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or and those who worship idols. In this beautiful song of gratitude, King David, he he reflects back, he looks back on a, a moment earlier in his life that he described as the pits. We don't know what his pit was made of. It could have been something with his health. It, it could have been something that resulted from his own failures, his own mistakes. It could have been something that just came from the outside that he never saw coming, a big surprise, an accident, or an attack from somebody he he didn't even know who misunderstood him or who criticized him. We don't know what his pit was, but he described it as a desolate pit, a horrible place. And he created clear contrasts in his language to to help us understand where he was and, and then where he ended up. He said in verse 1, he cried out to God, but then by verse 3, he's crying out with a new song that God has given him. His feet, they were stuck in mud. It's like when you step into mud and it just swallows your foot up, that's the kind of mud. But then he says he ended up on solid, stable, steady ground. He experienced a significant change. And now he has a moment, an opportunity to reflect back on what it was like in the pits, and on how he came back up out of those pits. And today, just from those verses we read, we want to come away with three actions that he was taking, three things that we can do to help develop a grateful life and a grateful perspective in life. First action for us, come to a complete stop. You know what you're supposed to do at the stop signs? That we just kind of roll right through? That we keep moving and we're a little bit restless? Come to a complete stop. 
David said, I waited. In our translation, I believe it said, I waited patiently. The word patiently is an attempt to express the verb that he used. It's kind of like he's saying, while I waited, I waited some more. Or I waited and waited and waited and I waited. I came to a full, complete stop because I I didn't know how, and I couldn't keep making progress and moving forward, and so I did the only thing I could do. I waited. I stopped. I can't tell you how much I resist that. I do not like waiting. Like, if I have to wait in line to pick up my coffee... I am frustrated and impatient. If I'm waiting at a red light and the cars are all backed up in the morning and you've got the traffic, I hate that. I don't like that feeling. I don't know what you're like, but you're human. So maybe there's a little bit of that in you. Some of us, we never want to turn off our minds, and so we end up scrolling mindlessly through our social media feeds or whatever other distractions, or we roast Sharon Weiss or whatever else we can do in order to stay active. And in others, we're very very industrious, and so we always get up and we're doing something else with our hands. I mean, when I make phone calls, I put earbuds in so I can do something else and be productive and get something done while I'm talking on the phone because I hate waiting. David said, I learned I had to come to a full, complete stop. I waited, and I waited, and I waited. Now, it's much better for us if we can come to those pause moments on our own before we are forced to by falling into the pits. If we can create some space in life to come to a stop and consider what's most important to us and what's most valuable and really who we are and where we're going and who our God is in relation to us. You know, earlier this year, this summer, we encouraged everyone to use the Daily Pause app. Some of you remember that. Some of you are still using it, and you still get a notification at 2 o'clock every afternoon to pause, and then you just roll right past that like I often do, right? And then a few weeks ago, one of the, one of the people being baptized, they talked about how that Daily Pause changed their life and caused them to reflect on what really mattered to them and their faith and helped lead them to the point of being baptized and following Jesus in baptism, come to a complete stop. You know the things that keep us from, from really practicing gratitude? It's hard to be grateful or feel grateful when I'm busy or bored or when I'm disappointed or hurting. In those moments of life when I have a lot going on and I can't quiet my mind or I have not enough going on and so I look for distractions or if life hasn't turned out the way I wanted it to or if I'm really in pain, it's really difficult for any human being to be grateful. And that's why you and I have to learn to come to a complete stop regularly. You know, around here at LifePoint, we've used the term engage with God daily. Find a way, find some time to just stop and turn down the noise, turn off the screens, turn away from the distractions. The second action for us, if, 
if we're going to keep developing and cultivating this grateful life after we come to a complete stop, what are you going to do with it? I'm going to encourage you, second, to remember the good in your world. Remember what's good. We are barraged and surrounded and besieged by bad news constantly. It's like the only news that's ever reported is bad news. We have to train our mind and retrain the way that we think to remember the the parts of our life and experience that are uplifting and that are positive, that can inspire gratitude in us. Peter Gomes was the longtime chaplain at Harvard Divinity School, and he observed years ago, he said, when I saw the Christmas lights being strung up on the city streets and Santa Clauses in all the store windows, I knew that Thanksgiving must not be far away. (laughs) Man, you're quick. You got that fast. I thought it might take you a moment. You are on it today. We live in a world of forgetfulness that just charges past one moment to the next and that pushes every one of us to do the same thing. We have to find a way to come to a complete stop and remember the good that's part of our life and our world and our experience and make it personal. Now, remembering the good doesn't mean denial. It doesn't mean that we deny all the bad parts or we skip over them or we act like they don't exist. What did David do when he started remembering the good? He actually remembered how often the good comes from the bad and how often the good comes from a source other than himself, other than me. And we've got to do the same thing because our good often comes from the bad often from the most negative experiences in life. And the good, it's often coming from from some other source than me. David said, I waited, I waited, I waited. And then the Lord, he bent his ear, he turned, he inclined, he took notice of me. He heard my voice, he heard my cry, and then he lifted me up. He brought me up out of the pit. He gave me a new path to walk on. He didn't take credit For his own action or his own part of getting up out of that pit, he gave all the credit, all the praise, all the glory to God who created that good outside of him. And he didn't deny that he was in the pits. He didn't just skip over that. He said, I was there and I was stuck. And and it was a pit. This word, it can be used to describe a tomb, a grave. It was like I was moving and walking around, but I was walking around my own tomb. It looked like I was alive, but I really felt dead inside. And I was stuck in this mire, and I couldn't find a way out. And the good came from outside of me through intervention, through God's intervention in my life. To cultivate this grateful life, we've got to stop. We have to stop regularly and remember the good that's part of our life and our experience. And then third, we share that gratitude with other people. We share that gratitude regularly at all times in our life and in our experience. Have you ever built a little electrical circuit? We'd, I remember doing a science project with one of my children a couple years ago, and you know we, we put together this little circuit, and you had to complete the circuit. Like if the electricity is moving around those cords and metal and copper and wire and If that flow is interrupted, you've got no power. 
If there's any break in that line, if you don't make a clear connection on the other side, wherever that source is, you don't have any energy at all. We have to do the same thing in our life. If, if we're feeling grateful about something or remembering something good, we're not going to have power that fuels a different perspective on life unless we complete that circuit and find a way to express and share that gratitude. That completes the cycle, and it powers our life to move in a different direction. It gives us energy to have a different perspective and a different take on what's going on in our life. In Psalm 40, if we continued reading this psalm through verses 4 to 10 in this prayer... David's prayer, it moves up to God. It's still moving up to God. And then it flows out to other people. He's sharing that gratitude directly to God and then to other people who are around him. And many others are seeing and experiencing his gratitude. And then they are affected. They are touched by that energy. And they will trust in the Lord. But then in verse 11, there's a surprise. Like if you're reading this whole song and, and you go through the first 10 verses, it sounds like things are working pretty well for David, that he's in this moment of reflection where he's looking back on what God has done and how he used to be in the pits, but now life is steady and stable. But then you get to verse 11 and there's a little bit of a twist. There's a surprise because then David cries out again and he says, he says, Lord, Please be faithful. Send me your loving kindness and mercy because I'm in trouble again. My troubles are surrounding me. They've piled up so high that I can't see over them. And I've made mistakes. I've created a lot of these troubles that are surrounding me and I can't find a way out. And then while I've been trapped by this barricade of troubles that surrounded me, my enemies have come against me and they've been attacking and criticizing me. I'm right back in the pits again. And I need your help, Lord, because I, at the end of the psalm, he says, I'm needy and I am depending on your presence and your power. This was not a moment of victory for King David the psalmist. He was right back into the pits again. And it was in that moment where he came to a stop and he remembered the good that was part of his past experience. And he shared that gratitude in a song to God, in a song prayer, and he shared it with other people. He was practicing gratitude in what sounds like an incredibly dark moment of his life. What an example for us. If we're going to cultivate a grateful life, if we're going to live with gratitude, we'll put these practices into place as part of our daily routines where we stop and we remember the good and we find a way to share with others. You know how to do that. You can pick up a phone and Make a call or send a text or write a note or have a conversation with someone who's made a significant difference in your life and complete that circuit in that cycle of gratitude. We can find a way to pause in life and to pause every day and engage with God and remember the good that he's brought in, remembering that good even when we're living in the bad and express our faith, our continued faith and our trust in him. That's how we can cultivate a grateful life. Now, you remember Sharon <laughs> and that disaster of a pie 
You know, sometimes in life, we can follow all the directions and keep all the rules, or at least the big ones, and we still end up in the pits. Life still doesn't quite work out the way we thought it would or the way that we expected. We can't control that, but we can control our response. (laughs) Sharon, after she baked that pumpkin pie, she put a turkey in the oven. She had the same result. She brought that bird out of the oven, and it was burnt to a crisp. It was done to the Sharon Weiss level. And then she started doing some investigating, and they figured out that her oven temperature and thermometer had been switched from Fahrenheit to Celsius. (laughs) You feel Sharon's pain. So she thought she was cooking at about 375. It might have been closer to 700 degrees. And there is no pie that can survive that for very long. She, she followed all the directions. She looked at that box. She reheated it just the way it said to. She still burnt it. That happens to us. Sometimes we think we've done all the right things. We still end up with a destroyed pie. We're back in the pits. That's life. What we can do is control our response. We can stop and remember the good. We can share that gratitude at all times, even when the pie's burnt. Today, today we're all pausing and stopping together to express thanks and gratitude to God for sending His Son Jesus into our world and into our lives We're going to celebrate by sharing communion at the Lord's table. And if you've put your trust in Jesus, received his free gift of salvation and eternal life by trusting in his finished work, his death and his resurrection, you're welcome to participate and join at this table. As you came in, uh, you probably noticed the tables with communion elements. Today, we're celebrating and sharing communion with little all-in-one cups with the juice and the wafer that's connected. And in a few moments, uh, I'll come back up and I will lead us all to celebrate communion. So you have to wait just just a little bit longer. We will reenact and participate in the gospel story because Jesus' body was broken for us and his blood was poured out. The bread that's broken and the juice in the cup remind us of his sacrifice. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to have a moment of quiet reflection. Drew will come back out and lead us in a song. If you didn't pick up one of those all-in-one cups, During the song, you're free to get up and and go back out to the entrances and pick one of those up and come back in. And I want you to take take just a moment to pause and reflect and stop. And thank God for the goodness that he's brought into your life, even if you're living in the pits right now. And thank God for the gift of his son, Jesus. Lord, we, we need you. At every hour and every moment, we need you. Today, we're pausing from all the activity and and everything that normally goes on in life to thank you and celebrate your good gifts to us. Jesus, we're uh, 
when we stop and think about it, we're amazed and we're humbled. We're grateful that you invaded this reality, this world, our world, our lives. You gave yourself. You became one of us, like us. Your body was broken. You gave your life. You gave everything, everything that you had so that we could receive the gift of new eternal life and freedom and forgiveness. So today, we're inviting your presence into our life again as we express our thanks to you and we call out and we praise and bless your name.